Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your uh, Commodore of Cunard today. <laughs> We're going to talk about duck all that is tasty um, in the French way, the du canard. Uh, I've got some really cool cats in the studio today. Um, so pleased to have a uh, fellow advanced sommelier, Jeff Lindsay Thorson, who's the lead som over at RN74, and a brand new chef. Um, well, not a brand new chef, but a new chef to RN74 in Seattle. His name is Thomas Greasy, and uh, don't take that last name to mean anything but uh, quality food. Uh, he is a veteran of some really great um, celebrity tutelage from across the nation, uh, including Thomas Keller and stops at uh, South Beach um, and uh, San Francisco. So we've got uh, some great events coming up. It is the fall season, and um, by the way, this is Beaujolais week. Uh, Beaujolais Nouveau is uh, released on the uh, third Thursday of November, and it is the um, the fresh and fruity style of Beaujolais. Um, but we have serious uh, wines in from the region of Beaujolais, where I was there in September, and visiting some of the uh, communes of Fleury and Morgon and moulin Avant, and uh, uh, I'm so excited. I think we have a bottle of Morgon in here, and I got two cats who are just chomping at the bit. Hey, Thomas Gracie, chef from RN74, and Jeff Lindsay Thorson, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you. Good to be back. Right on. Okay, so uh, start with Thomas. Thomas, you've traveled the world. You were in school on the East Coast at Johnson & Wales we talked about, um, and uh, give us a couple... Uh, uh, give us a little insight on the journey that you've taken here. Um, so, you know, I started out kind of uh, Johnson Wells in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Went to school there. Um, had a great, great experience. You know, worked with a lot of master chefs. Um, and then later got the opportunity. You know, I picked up the French Laundry Cookbook when I was younger, and I said, one day I want to work with uh, Chef Keller. So, um, I mean, younger meaning like eighteen, or was this twenty, or what? Yeah, around eighteen. Okay. Yeah, wow. around, around that time, I knew I wanted to be a chef. I knew that. This was something that I really enjoyed. Um, and so the opportunity came in Las Vegas. Uh, I started working at Bouchon, which is a, a bistro of, of uh, Chef Keller. A huge bistro. This is not like the little bistro you think of in France. This is in the Venetian Hotel and uh, destination. I always love going there. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing post. Um, definitely one of the uh, premier restaurants in Las Vegas. Uh, and a good, you know, really a great French uh, training program that I got there. But also, you know, there was an institution. I think um, Chef Keller has a lot of great core values that, uh, you know, we teach and, and have as a, um, you know, kind of a, a apprentice chef growing up. Cool. So after Bouchon, you were where? Um, so after Bouchon, I, I stayed in Vegas. I worked for Andre Rochat, who was one of the kind of the hometown favorites. He was the original French guy that brought skate wing and brown butter to <laughs> Las Vegas, right? The the old school, um, but there's nothing like, you know, there's no, no school like the old school. So um, I worked there uh, for about two years or so, and then I had the opportunity to work in uh, the Bellagio at Le Cirque, the uh, Maccioni family, Syria Maccioni, which is, you know, uh, one of those families that uh, has a, a tremendous and strong 
um, upbringing in New York and and just the service standards and um, really Le Cirque was a you know an elevated Michelin star uh, restaurant that was focused on uh, modern pro- progressive French food. I think there was uh, a, a Netflix series about Le Cirque. I remember watching that. Really, really cool. Talking about the family and the history and how yeah. it, uh, he really um, <laughs> kind of uh, broke the barriers of fine dining in mm-hmm. a way for New York. And then, of course, it was at the Bellagio for a little while. Then they kind of, you know, as as uh, Las Vegas often does, uh-huh. they re've, uh, revamped it and uh, changed it. And it, now it's some kind of cool lake house with a view and big fancy bar. Right. So the Chirco concept, which was an Italian post there was actually two so there's Le Cirque which is um, still there but Chirco had changed oh, yeah, to yeah. Lago so okay. um, but yeah it's it's a beautiful restaurant just tucked away in the in the Bellagio I mean you walk in and it's just that you get that immediate experience of luxury and um, you know the French cuisine that we uh, you know they produce there is just it's really top notch awesome um, so later then I went to uh, South Beach uh, I decided to venture into kind of hotels and looked at um, the Satai in Miami, which was a five-star, five-diamond, um, became the chef de cuisine, was appointed there. Wow. Um, and it was a lot. It was a, a big operation. It was five different outlets. We had an Asian restaurant. So I started to really get a, a world, um, you know, really an understanding of world cuisine as well. Uh, and then later I got contacted by Michael Mina because we knew each other from Las Vegas and had an opportunity in the Fountain Blue, which is, you know, one of oh. those... Uh, institutions that's um, we opened up uh, 74 in, in Miami uh, later than strip steak and uh, it was a great a really high energy bistro and just uh, you know again kind of a Michael Mina's favorites um, I, that was at Fountain Blue later then uh, I got the opportunity to move to uh, San Francisco was kind of did some of the test kitchen with uh, R&D and and doing new concepts with Chef Mina um, and then I got the opportunity to travel to Chicago, open up one of our sister restaurants, Margot, which is in the Gold Coast in the Waldorf Astoria, uh, and then got a phone call to come out here. And they came out <laughs> here, and the weather was great, beautiful, and I decided not to leave. They called you at the right time, apparently. <laughs> well, that's a, that's, that's a great journey um, mm-hmm. um, from East Coast to West Coast to uh, uh, middle, of, middle of North America here, Chicago, big cities, mm-hmm. and a lot of opportunities to learn. Uh, really cool. It's kind of like the the journey of a sommelier, right, Jeff? I mean, we're, we're constantly meeting people, um, studying wine programs, and uh, tell us some of the, the people you've met and that influenced your life. Also, oh, um, I've got to work with a lot of great chefs in the Northwest, but uh, as I fell in love with wine, I realized you really needed to see the world. And so um, now I've worked, in, uh, worked for a domain in Burgundy, worked in New Zealand, um, got to work with some of the greatest chefs that Seattle's ever known, Scott Carsberg at Lamprea, Carrie Sear at Cascadia, Holly Smith at Cafe Juanita, and now uh, now getting to work uh, with Michael Mina as well, and his team has been, over the last six and a half years, has been incredible and really opened my eyes to the, the world of restaurants beyond uh, a small chef-owned operation, but uh, the culture is really insular and really um, takes care of its own and looks inward at building from building the team from within. Now and again, we bring in uh, some outside help, as we did with Thomas, and uh, he's really been just, uh, it's been a wonderful transition. Hard to call him just help, though. No, no, <laughs> I was very high-level help, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with that, you know, he came in to help and uh, fell in love, fell in love with Seattle and fell in love with the culture we've built at RN74 over the last six years and, and helped now elevate uh, 
elevate our cuisine. I think refining things, getting, you know, refining it, bringing it back to very kind of um, not quite hardcore, but pretty darn strong uh, French cuisine with a background in technique and flavors and really ultimately complementary to what we're trying to do with the wine program. Awesome. And uh, the wine program, of course, we're talking about RN74, which is on 4th and Pike. Pike. 4th and Pike. Uh, it's open Monday through Saturday, and you've got a great happy hour. Um, do you serve lunch? Uh, no lunch. We did for a while, and we really felt that uh, what we can do best is really focus, focus. on dinner. Right. And uh, with that, all of our chefs in the kitchen have, you know, their eyes on one on one target, and it really and I think that's really helped elevate our food. That makes sense. And so uh, named after the Route Nationale seventy four, which runs from uh, Dijon to Chardonnay or something, Bone, and um, obviously a, a French cuisine, a French uh, theme. But you're, you talk about your wine list. You've got uh, great wines from around the world, but you focus on. Uh, we focus on Burgundy and the wines of the Pacific Northwest, definitely locally paying homage to the classics um, as well as those rising stars. And then we do the same in Burgundy. So um, our list at the moment is right around 1,300 selections. We always have about wow. 50 wines by the glass, ranging from happy hour at 8 bucks a glass to a glass of Romani Conti Corton at 200 bucks. Oh, really? Um, so, we, yeah, we can really, and the same goes for the list. It runs the gamut. We've, you can have a $28 bottle of rosé, or you can spend, uh, you know, uh, 15 grand on a bottle of Romani Conti. <laughs> so we try to try to create something for everyone, but always uh, keeping in mind balance and wanting wines that represent the place they're grown, whether it's here in Washington, in Oregon, you know, touching into California, which we don't do a whole lot of, and then uh, an ungodly amount of Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that because it's really a um, a person who's manning the ship, so to speak, uh, and you've got the passengers of all these great wines, and you're sharing these destinations with the, with the uh, your guests, and and to know that it's it's not a corporate kind of thing. It's really people that care, that people have the stories behind them, and the families and the values here in the Northwest, which is. Ever changing, of course, as we have we welcome so many new people here. But um, it's good six and a half years. You've got uh, uh, quite a um, culinary campaign and uh, a great wine program as well. So let's talk about some of the cool stuff you guys do there. I know that we talk about happy hour, and this is perfect for happy hour radio. Uh, Chef, you brought in something that you are featuring uh, during happy hour. Tell us what you have here. Uh, great. So obviously, a French restaurant. We we've got to get duck right, right? So we do duck and so duck many, and chicken. <laughs> duck duck for sure. Uh, we do it in so many variations. Um, so this is a uh, duck foie gras pate. Uh, it's done in in a terrine. So it's served kind of like a mousse. It's very smooth. It's extremely creamy. Um, just really rich and decadent. Uh, again, you know, compare with the our. our Tis the season and, for rich and decadent. Yeah, too, I rich think. decadent. Um, there's an onion, red onion marmalade that's say that's kind of served on the side you just want to spread that on a beautiful piece of rustic toast and serve with some uh, gherkins a little a little pickles something to to give acid to it because um you know duck mousse is is like i said very rich and decadent so uh we do duck in a couple different variations we have a really great uh, french table side presentation that we do for dinner um it's always on our tasting menu for you know various reasons is that like a levin madison kind of thing where they bring it out and they carve it there yeah so we french at table side we have a, a little cassoulet of uh mm. you know 
Tokyo turnips that have been braised in duck fat, uh, chanterelle mushrooms, obviously being in the Pacific Northwest, you guys have the uh, uh, most amazing mushrooms I've ever seen. So I got up here and I was like, this is awesome. Um, it's got to go on the menu for sure. Uh, so that's, you know, that's part of uh, either part of the tasting menu and or part of our experience at a la carte, even into, like you said, happy hour, we have applications of of uh, duck in, in various ways. Awesome. Well, I'm a huge duck fan. And uh, Jeff, when we think about foie gras, obviously there's that classic pairing with sauternes, but when you have uh, the pate, you, you have gherkins, which uh, of course can have some vinegar and perhaps some salt, uh, and then the onions, which is uh, can have some sweet and, and perhaps savory flavors. What wine do you like to pair with this particular dish? So we can go a few different ways with it. Um, I'm a huge proponent of drinking as much champagne as possible, um, which works really well with cured meats. Um, other places to look, uh, more elegant styles of Burgundy as, and uh, moving ever so slightly south into Beaujolais. Um, today we brought a glass, uh, pardon me, a bottle of uh, Guy Breton Morgon. So, um, Tastes like it has some age on it. It's 2012. Okay, yeah. So we actually offered this during our uh, Rockin' uh, Beaujolais Nouveau Fete we had last Thursday and um, poured this by the glass as it really just is a great representation of what, uh, what Gamay can do um, with a little age from Great Terroir as well as, uh, you know, the fun uh, uh, just, you know, knock it back style of Beaujolais Nouveau. Um, this is definitely a little more serious, but uh, with this with this cured duck dish, with this duck liver, it's so intensely livery, if, if, which is for lack of a better description, I suppose. <laughs> um, just kind of irony and intense, and so something with really high acid, kind of some more rustic character, um, plays really nicely, or you can go conversely and do something really bright and fruity as a counterpoint versus kind of like with like, doing something really... Uh, uh, con- uh, high contrast. So bright and fruity with fruit is is that um, like a Chenin Blanc? Is that what you're thinking? So or? we could venture into the Loire for Chenin Blanc. Um, something just like young, very young Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. Um, young, as I mentioned, we talked about Beaujolais Nouveau, or even just young Beaujolais. Um, really bright Cabernet Franc from Chinon or mm-hmm. Champigny in the Loire plays really nicely with. Uh, with cured meats and liver and well, this is perfect timing. Saturday night, and I've got a glass of wine, some foie gras, and some cool cats in the studio. Speaking with Chef Thomas Greasy, who is the new RN74 executive chef, and of course Jeff Lindsay Thorson, the advanced sommelier, who's running the wine program there at Fourth and Pike. Fourth and Pike. Fourth and Pike. Pike. Um, we've got two events to tease coming up. We have a fantastic wine dinner with Master Sommelier's wines, uh, Larry Stone, coming up on December sixth. And then we have the Champagne Fete, which is December 16th, correct? correct? Hey, folks, so stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the cool things that are happening downtown. At RN74, it's open Monday through Saturday with Happy Hour from 4 to 6. So stick around. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Uh, it's time for round two, and I've got two jars of foie gras. In front of me, and that's a good thing, because one is never enough. Uh, and you can check it out down at RN74 with the new chef, Thomas Greasy, and, uh, of course, Chef Lindsay Thorsten, Event Smollier. He's running the wine program. They just had the uh, Blowout Beaujolais Bash, which uh, I'm sorry that I missed. Uh, 
but I was recovering from, uh, well, from the Holiday Wine Fest. Um, but here we are in studio. Jeff poured me some 2012 Morgon, which is a, a, a crew Beaujolais, uh, one of the 10 communes. Um, now, we've got two events. I'll start with you, Jeff. We've got Larry Stone. Now, Larry Stone has a great long history association with the Pacific Northwest. He was one of the first master sommeliers uh, in Washington State, and also he went to France and won some huge award or something. Sommelier, the world sommelier. Yeah, yeah sommelier, great, yeah, sommelier of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Solar hmm. system. I like it. So um, he's done a lot of things. He's uh, worked in California. He's worked in Chicago. I think it was a Charlie Trotter guy at some point. And uh, tell me um, about this wine dinner he's got going on and, and his new project, Lingua Franca. Yeah, so Larry, uh, Larry Stone has been uh, a mentor to sommeliers all over. And along the way, he was a uh, partner in a winery that called Eveningland that's now owned by one of his uh, one of his disciples and one of my mentors Rajat Parr. Um, right next door there's a tremendous uh, tremendous vineyard site that everyone has been trying to buy for the last 20 years and the family that owned it just never wanted to uh, never wanted to let it go it was just uh, fallow and Larry somehow coerced his way into being able to purchase that vineyard um, as well as uh, build a new winery on site there um, in the Eole Amity Hills in Oregon. So this 2015 is his inaugural release. He brought in a winemaker named uh, Thomas Savra who worked with uh, Dominique Lafon at Comte Lafon as well as at Eveningland, so uh, a total badass and uh, winemaker, as well as Larry's perspective on what his and his vision. And so the first vintage, they sourced fruit from all over the Willamette while their vineyards come on, their estate vineyards come online. So we're just delighted to be able to host him, showcase his first uh, release, and showcase five of, I think, the seven wines he made for his first release, along with Chef Greasy's cooking um, on Wednesday, December 6th. Wow. Okay. So here's some of the wines. You've got Chardonnay, the uh, AVNI. Does that mean something? Uh, Avni, it's, uh, I believe it's an uh, homage to some of his uh, the opening staff. Okay, cool. And so you got two Chardonnays, which is always great, because I think Oregon Chardonnay is just now reaching that, that level of quality where they, they figured out what what sites and what style to make it in, because that's that's always pressing. We love for Burgundy, of course, and we like California, too. Um, but Oregon has got it, its uh, its own marker now that we can all appreciate. So, Chef, you've got uh, some fun items. Why don't you give us a couple quick uh, snippets about one of the things you're serving with those two Chardonnays? Um, yeah, so the first uh, Chardonnay, we're going a, a Belgium endive salad with a little Roquefort Papignon, so really bright flavors. Is that um, a butterfly? Uh, it is a butterfly, correct. Um, one of the premier uh, Roqueforts coming out of France, um, true to its uh, soil. Uh, heirloom beet vinaigrette just tossed in there, um, and then little Bartlett pears. Obviously, we're getting into the pear season and, and apples, and so um, endive and, and pear goes really well together. And then we have some uh, beautiful uh, St. Jacques uh, Coquille, which is an, a Nantucket-based scallop royale, so uh, a rich custard of, of scallops, and then we're going to do in variations as well. A custard? So, Yep. Ooh. Absolutely. So nice. just really delicate and sweet and and all those great flavors that you know obviously a good beurre blanc uh, to finish will will definitely highlight and, and let the um uh, the other Chardonnay uh, uh, shine as well. So uh, just two really great dishes, I think, that we've prepared. There's also a 48-hour Wagyu beef cheek that we do. Um, I'm really excited about. We're 
you know, it's low and slow, and it's you can turn something that you know is a tough piece of meat into something that's delicate and and just full and robust, uh, robust flavors. Yeah, short ribs and beef cheeks, man. That's <laughs> low and slow. Now, yep. Jeff, I see we got foie gras here again. So tell us some of the wines we've got with the foie gras, the Margarita Canard, and the uh, Wagyu beef cheek. Yeah, so. Um, the style, Larry's style is definitely is has there's a lot of tension so um, meaning there's there's quite a bit of acidity the wines are a bit definitely more on the elegant versus uh, big and powerful side and so um, certainly duck and pinot noir is always a classic pairing um, chefs brought in some kind of earthier tones with the foie gras and the parsnips um, that will I think will really highlight the terroir um, the duck cher- the black cherry duck jus just the little finishing sauce is really something that uh, the where that comes into play. Um, is it would just accent all of the little bit of fruit that's hiding behind hiding behind the kind of tense minerality that Larry's managed to find in his wines. Oh man, I'm looking at uh, this black truffle pergodine pergodine sauce, which is uh, sounds absolutely delicious. Can you bathe me in it? Can I get some of that to go? Absolutely. How do we get a, a ticket for this? This is December sixth. Is that a Thursday or a uh, Wednesday? It's a Wednesday. Okay, so. Um, you know, you've made it through the, the week, and it is December. So bring some friends out. Uh, December 6th, you've got a uh, website online. Um, the best way to book is just to give us a call at the restaurants. It's 456-7474, and, uh, reach, and ask for Ashley. Of course, anyone that answers the phone will take care of you. But uh, we're definitely reservations only. Um, this With all of the love going into this menu, it's a tremendous amount of work, so we limit how many people we can, can yeah. attend. And I heard that your last dinner was sold out with uh, your Northwest faves. Uh, yeah, we do. We, yeah, we've kind of started incredible. a tradition of this harvest dinner um, where we bring in some of the top uh, kind of rising stars here in Washington. And um, yeah, that sold out. It was uh, that was incredible. It's really fun. We had uh, the entire dining room was uh, jam packed. It was a, kind of a raucous, uh, raucous version of a winemaker dinner. I bet when you had mm-hmm. the four wine guys there, I mean, you're, it was four plus yourself, or was it just uh, four? three plus myself? Three plus yeah. you. Okay. Uh, and is Larry attending this? Or Larry will be there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, absolutely. We wouldn't do it without him. All right. So so yeah, look, he, look for the the, uh, the Depper um, uh, little guy <laughs> in the bow tie. <laughs> in the bow tie. <laughs> um, he's such a nice guy, and it's great to have him back in Seattle. So um, next up is if you miss that one, December six, ten days later, you've got the Champagne Fet. So what's going on here? I mean, bubbles and popcorn or tape uh, chips. What do we got? Bubbles, definitely some caviar has got to be introduced in there. Um, you know, we're even looking into like skate wing. Uh, so you know, going into like the uh, the you know again those classical. Um, dishes that really highlight good French cuisine. So uh, it's you know kind of our, kind of our forte is is doing French. So uh, definitely a lot of um, a lot of champagne, a lot of a lot of caviar, um, some potatoes, some blinis, and stuff like that. That will def- definitely be a part of the menu as well. And this fet is this a walk around or is this so this. Uh so on the 16th, it's a Saturday afternoon. What we'll do oh. is it's uh, we get to myself and my counterpart Paul. Um, we'll lead a tasting of six uh, pretty high, darn high-end champagnes. You know, things like Dom, Dom Perignon, Perignon and uh, Krug. Um, it's uh, the small so ones. Not messing around. Um, so that'll be what we'll do there. That's a, a, a tasting guided by myself and Paul, and it lasts about two hours. And we'll really ex- go deep into uh, into champagne and really kind of get a deeper understanding of the process of how it's made, where it's from, and why it's so delicious. While tasting some of the world's greatest champagnes for sure. But the entire month, uh, starting uh, from starting 
from Black Friday all the way through uh, New Year's Eve, we're going to offer all six of six wines, six champagnes by the glass as a flight. We also have two champagne, in additional champagnes that we offer all the time, um, but these six are really special, and so we'll offer them in three different versions of flights uh, for various costs, of course. And then, um, and Chef will uh, create some specials along the way to really bring bring out. Uh, the luxury and deliciousness that uh, that champagne embodies. Wow! Now this is a special treat because it's it's first of all we all save these Grand Marc champagnes or the uh, the Tete de Cuvées champagnes. You've got Dom Perignon, Rotor Cristal, uh, Krug, of course, and to get these by the glass. Now this is perfect. You, you're not going to break the bank, but you're certainly going to have an investment. But it's still better than buying a whole bottle of each. Um, well, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I like to drink a lot. Uh, so, Chef, you've got some great bites with these. What what are some of the things that you're going to be teasing with these? Uh, champagne flights I, again you know a couple small bites um, we're gonna bring in a, a really great producer of uh, caviar um, from Uruguay actually it's Black River caviar uh, and Graham Gaspard is a good good friend of uh, chef Mina and I's and um, so we're bringing some special caviar in uh, to really highlight uh, again you know some uh, small little scallops uh, that are done um, to really you know play off the nuttiness of the the champagne itself and um, so, you know, still working through a lot of the little bites, um, but obviously it's going to be a big, big basher in terms of the uh, uh, deliciousness that is being, you know, drank there with the Dom and the, the Cristal. So um, I think it's a great opportunity. Like you said, it's, you know, if you can if you can get the uh, afford to get a bottle of each one of these, it would be great to drink all three of them. Um, but we're now we're giving you six choices and, and really three different variations at different price points that you can come in and have these amazing, amazing champagne. Um, you know, this is just something so special. So fun. And mm-hmm. it's a Saturday. So Saturday, December 16th, 1.30 to 3.30. Again, the phone number is 206... 456-7474. 7474. And how about that? 7474. <laughs> I just got that. RN74. <laughs> um Fantastic! Wow, what a treat! Because these—I don't think anybody except maybe Canlis is serving this kind of champagne. I don't know what Bastille's yeah. doing. I'd be shocked if they're serving all of these champagnes at the same time. I would be <laughs> too. Canlis knows how to bring it. That's they, for sure. That's for sure. Um, what a treat, Thomas uh, Greasy! Welcome to Seattle. So excited to have you at RN74, and it's great to see the passion, commitment to uh, high-quality French cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeff Lindsay Thorson, what a treat! You've, you're done with harvest. Your hands are no longer purple, and now you get to uh, enjoy the uh, the holiday season at RN74. Guys, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. All right, guys, that's uh, December 6th. We got the uh, Master Sommelier dinner over at RN74 with uh, Larry Stone, uh, Lingua Franca, as an organ uh, producer with Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and of course, the Champagne Fete December 16th. Uh, I'm going to be at that Champagne Fete. I got Saturdays off, um, well, I mean, in the morning, right? It's happy hour all day for me here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, folks, stick around. I've got uh, author Mark Addison coming up, and we're going to chat about his brand new book, talking about wine, beer, cider spirits. Hey, Sounds like Happy Hour Radio. He's back and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. <laughs> 
Uh, there's always time for another round. One more and I gotta go. Hey, folks, so welcome back to uh, Time for Round 3. Uh, I'm super excited. I got this lovely tome. It's called The Cocktail Chameleon, and it's this hardcover book. It's bright orange. It reminds me of Tangerine, and that Tangerine or the Satsuma Mandarin Orange is coming into season here. Uh, it's written by a gentleman named Mark Addison, and uh, he's hanging out in uh, Palm Beach, Florida right now. Got him on the phone. Hey, Mark Addison, welcome to Happy Hour. Well, thank you for having me. Um, happy Hour is my favorite time of the day. It is, and, and we, I love those all-day happy hours myself. Uh, and I just had um, the RN74 chef, um, and uh, he was talking about it. He was down in South Beach working uh, a couple years ago at the Fountain Blue and some other place. But um, you have this beautiful book. Um, it is a hardcover book. It's got beautiful pictures, and the pictures aren't just of a small drink. They take up almost two-thirds, three-quarters of the whole page. It's called Cocktail Chameleon. Uh, tell me why and how inspired you, what, what got you inspired for this book? Well, I, my, my background is in event design and, and producing a wide range of events uh, all over the world. And through the 20 plus years of creating events, cocktails were the most important subject on every client's mind. What are we going to serve? And throughout those years, I collected a, a number of recipes and when it came time for me to write my first book, it was a natural thing to go, to, you know, natural thing to pick because it gets the party started, and it's what everyone's interested in. Um, and I always uh, say that you should have a signature cocktail, but people are so um, they're they're fearful of creating drinks at the bar because. Mixology is one of those scary words. They can't do it. So that's why I wanted to write this book, is to demystify the world of cocktails and arm people with the tools that they need so they can go and create their own signature cocktails and share them with family and friends. That's good. It's, um, you know, basically it's like cooking. You know, I can't cook, but if you get in there enough, you practice, you learn how to uh, make the perfect omelet, and from there, uh, <laughs> the world is your oyster, so to speak. Cocktail Chameleon, interesting name. I've got Boy George's song uh, riffing through my head right now. Um, but let's talk about some of the, the uh, chapters in your book here. And it's pretty cool because it's real straightforward. You've got chapter one, Bloody Mary. I love that because you've got about 15 different recipes for Bloody Marys. And we're going to talk about some of them. But, of course, you've got margarita, champagne, the old-fashioned, the Collins, uh, the cooler, the Manhattan, sangria, even the beer cocktail, and then coffee cocktail, and a few more recipes. Let's talk about this Bloody Mary thing. The first thing that caught my eye was the Green Mary. Tell me about this. Well, the, all the chapters are based on classic cocktails. When I was organizing all of my recipes, I found that they fell into these categories, which I thought was a great way to organize the book for the uninitiated. They can go right into Bloody Mary's if that's your favorite one. And I start with the classic, which um, they're based on recipes that I found in anthologies dating back from 1862 to the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Um, Bloody Mary is the most uh, popular next to the margarita cocktail in the United States. So I had to start off with the Bloody Mary. It's one of my absolute favorites. Mine too. And when you master, yes, when you master the Bloody Mary and your version of the Bloody Mary, which is infinite, um, then uh, you're ready to move on to the second most popular, which is, which is the margarita. So the Green Mary came out of my own personal interest in juicing. You know, the juicing craze has hit uh, being healthy and taking uh, fresh vegetables and, and, inducing them so you get their, their, their rich essence out of them. And so I thought, well, why not take the 
wonderful green juices and herbs that you put into uh, your juicing mix and turn it into a Bloody Mary. I love this Bloody Mary, especially the image in the book, because it is crowned with, literally crowned with garnishes of miniature little uh, radishes and carrots and onions and herbs. It looks like it has a, a, a green halo over it. Yeah, it's really um, really caught my eye as well, and that's why I wanted to dive right into it. Um, and those, I, I don't think people are going to have those tiny little radishes in the winter, but uh, maybe your local Whole Foods, you can get them on Amazon, I hear. Absolutely. You know, mini is a craze. There's mini everything, and you can find them certainly in Whole Foods. And there's wonderful purveyors online. That's what's so great and exciting about cocktail culture now is that there is so many resources available to people that were only once available to chefs and to uh, bar professionals. So you can Google miniature or micro. They're called micro vegetables and micro greens, and they're available for home delivery um, through many different uh, purveyors. And Whole Foods does have really wonderful produce throughout the year. And certainly things are seasonal. Uh, Like you said, mandarin oranges are coming in. Um, So you want to be mindful when you're choosing your your cocktail selections for uh, an event or a party for guests. That makes sense. Don't go get too wild. You're right. Now, it's interesting. I turned to Bloody Mary, and that's the first chapter. I, I always order Bloody Marys with white rum, and everyone goes, rum? And I said, yeah, because... Tomatoes are fruit, and rums comes from sugarcane. You think it? That's my favorite. I'm not a big vodka guy, but um, I certainly have had plenty of good vodka uh, Bloody Marys. And here's some of the names of the of the uh, cocktails you've created: um, Brunette Mary, uh, Bloody Geisha, uh, the Bloody Margaret, of course, the Bloody Mariah, uh, the Ginger Mary, the Bathtub, and the Hail Mary, which is uh, pretty fun for football season. And I see that you've got um, uh, all this. Uh, these different recipes that include the garnish, the bar tools, the glassware, and the yield, in addition to the ingredients. Now, when you give tips to people who are trying to do home mixology and, and entertaining, they probably need some basic tools. What are some of the most important things uh, a home bartender or mixologist might need? Uh, well, the three most important, is, first, is a good quality cocktail shaker. Uh, one that has a built-in strainer is always good for um, someone who's just uh, becoming initiated in home bartending. Uh, if you're more advanced, you can use the cocktail glass uh, and, and shaker combo. It's a little trickier. It takes a little uh, practice. And then you need a separate strainer. So, But I always say go for a very simple shaker with a built-in strainer. You can use the shaker as well as a mixing glass for those drinks that require to be stirred, which the Bloody Mary is one of them. Um, uh, then also you need a nice, good-quality jigger, you know, something that has multiple measurements, they're classically one and two ounce pours. I use one that has measurements that go from a half an ounce up to two ounces because you'll be able to get more detailed nuance and smaller quantities. Than sure, with liqueurs yeah. and, and other um, additions, whether it's Worcestershire sauce or perhaps a, uh, a velvet falernum. <laughs> I'm trying to remember some of those things. Um, let's look at another uh, list of recipes. So the shaker, the mixing glass, the jigger. Obviously, when it comes to cocktails, consistency is one of the most important hallmarks of creating any signature cocktail. To be able to reproduce it time after time and to have the, the person enjoy it. But also, to understand how much alcohol we're consuming, especially when we're entertaining, we need to be responsible and we want to know that um, you just didn't glug, 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 glug and how much was that, and which, you know, some Sometimes I don't mind, but when you're entertaining guests, you should be very um, transparent about what's in your cocktails because that helps everybody. 
Absolutely, and I, I believe that you should. And the cocktail, a good cocktail recipe is all about proportions. So it is proportionate to the amount of alcohol to the other ingredients. Some drinks, like the Manhattan, um, the Old Fashioned, are more alcohol-forward by nature, but they still rely on exact measuring. It's like making salad dressing. You related to food here again. Uh, salad dressing is really important that you have the right proportions to oil, to acid, and then you need an emulsifier. It's the same with cocktail making. If you have too much alcohol and not enough balance with the sweet, the tart, and the, and the other aromatics, then you're going to get a drink that's off balance, and it's not going to be pleasing. Right. Um, so definitely measurements are key in making, uh, just like in baking. And try and best to have fresh ingredients, right? Fresh lemon juice is always better than that little lemon that's been sitting in the produce, <laughs> you know, the little Absolutely. lemon juice, right? I- I preach fresh ingredients because you're going to get the most pure flavor out of them as well. And seasonally, you know, you have uh, the wonderful uh, things available throughout the year in terms of the bottled beverages. But I'm always a proponent of using fresh and even down to infusing spirits. A number of cocktails in the book call for an orange vodka or an, uh, a coconut rum. And I give recipes in the back of the book on how to infuse them yourself because, again, you're going to get the most true flavor out of those um, the citrus or the coconut than you will with a um, uh, store-bought infused vodka. Not well, to say that there aren't good quality sure. options out there. But the most pure flavor is going to come from doing it yourself. Right. And then there's more pleasure in that, too. Typically, if you're not too stressed, of course, buying uh, some things is easy. But I'm looking at the back section here, and it's pretty neat. You've got uh, techniques. And just for fun, you've got how to float something on top, um, how to uh, rim a cocktail. And then one I like here is how to make ice cubes. I <laughs> think that's pretty cute. Uh, hey, uh, Mark, we're going to take a little break. But when we come back, I want to dive into something I think um, a lot of people kind of Overlook, and that's the punch and cooler segment of our, our cocktails. Um, you know, we're used to seeing fancy glasses and things like that, but there's something very refreshing and almost there's simplicity in a punch or a cooler. Hey, folks, talking with Mark Addison, the author of Cocktail Chameleon. He's right here sharing some of his tips on how to create great beverages for the holidays. Uh, so stick around, we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle, we're having a great Saturday night. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment. I've got uh, the cocktail chameleon himself, Mark Addison, who's the author of this great book, Cocktail Chameleon. Um, Mark, this book uh, is really lovely. I would really recommend it for all my listeners. Where can someone get this cool book, Cocktail Chameleon? You can get Cocktail Chameleon on our website at cocktailchameleon.com. And we're actually offering uh, signed copies of the book exclusively on our website, you can go to cocktailchameleon.com and find the book, as well as wonderful resources and information on glassware spirits. 
and uh, techniques that aren't included in the book. Oh, very cool. So when I think about holidays, sometimes, you know, you want to be the perfect mixologist, but sometimes a good rum punch or something can really set the tone. Kind of the eggnog festivities or the Tom and Jerry's. Um, do you have some good punch recipes or a cooler recipe that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Uh, I think one that's really wonderful for the holidays, again, punches and coolers both can be made in large in batches, which is great for entertaining. It takes the stress out of being behind the bar and gets you out into your party. And one that I love for this time of year for Thanksgiving and in through the holidays is one that I came up with. It's called the Cranberry Sauce Punch. And it is made with the season's favorite condiment, cranberry sauce. So while you're making your cranberries, I give a great recipe for the cranberry sauce that's made in the punch. But while you're making your cranberry sauce, make a little extra. And it's uh, infused with, then, then take the cranberry sauce and then you run it, uh, include orange juice, strain it, and you have the perfect crimson orange colored uh, base for wonderful cocktails like the cranberry sauce punch. I add a little bit of brandy and then top it off with champagne. And it's wonderful to sip on while the turkey's in the oven and the family's around in the living room. It certainly is wonderfully celebratory of the season and the color can't be beat. And I always love adding, when I make my own cranberry sauce with fresh cranberries, it's, it, orange juice is a must in there, of course, with some of the other ingredients. Um, you get great acidity. And that champagne makes the bubbles on any cocktail really add that extra uh, extra uh, level of festiviness, right? Absolutely. It's very celebratory. You know, when I hear the uncorking of a bottle of champagne, that certainly makes me happy. That sound <laughs> is, is music to my ears. I know. I think, you know, certainly... This is a great cocktail for you. You can easily add a nice uh, golden rum to the cranberry sauce as it's steeping and then top it off with the champagne. Mm. There's a wonderful variation. That's the great thing about cocktails, and this is what the book talks about, is creating your own variations. Once you understand the classic, you, you'll understand how you can, with the same proportions, turn it into whatever variation in your own signature drinks. How many cocktails recipes do you have in this book, Cocktail Chameleon? There's 144. The, co- the chapters are divided into 12. And each has 12 recipes each for 144 signature cocktails. Oh, perfect. So uh, you could you, know, you get through this book in, in a good year by uh, practicing. And one of the things I really and like you about it. you your way through, you'll certainly be ready to mix your own up <laughs> and envision your own. Uh, remember, practice makes permanent. Food. And you have to use the right ingredients and uh, take your time and do it the right way to be perfect. Um, that's an old basketball adage. But what I like about your book, not only the pictures and the recipes so clear and uh, the pictures are vibrant, but what I see here is what we don't often see is the variation of all these great garnishes. And if you were to offer somebody a couple tips on cool garnishes, is there something that's really like uh, up and coming or, hey, no one thought of this? Do you have any great ideas for suggestions for garnishes? I do, actually. There's um, First of all, garnishes are, are really important and should never be ignored. Uh, they're a signal for what the, the drink is all about. It's part of its personality. And I think, you know, the... You, there are certainly the, stand, the, the standards with the wheels and wedges and things like that. But when it comes to twists, there's a lot of fun that you can have with a wonderful lemon twist or an orange peel. And uh, certainly taking a vegetable peeler and making a nice big broad peel off the side of a piece of citrus is a big, bold, manly uh, uh, peel and twist. But there's wonderful tools out there, channel knives, that you can create these beautiful little shoestrings and continue as long as you can without breaking... Uh, the peel to create an enormous uh, shoestring of, uh, of a lemon peel that adds a great um, dramatic effect to, to, the, to the cocktail. Something that's simple 
a simple cocktail like a Manhattan or an old fashioned can use a little extra uh, drama when it comes to the garnishes. Um, <laughs> and then also what's fun is if you twist them around either a straw, um, I like to do orange curls where I, t- I peel up an entire, uh, a whole orange and uh, secure it with toothpicks and let it sit in the refrigerator and then slice little thin curls off of it. It takes the ordinary twist and turns it into something that's really spectacular. Oh, this is great advice and perfect timing. Uh, wish you the best of the holidays. Mark Addison, Cocktail Chameleon. Get the book at cocktailchameleon.com. Sign copies. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. That's my pleasure. To many happy hours. Yes, here's the here's cheers to that. Hey, folks. So I hope you enjoyed the show. We had RN74, and they've got their great dinner on December 6th, and the Champagne Fete December 16th. Um, it is the time of Turkey and Thanksgiving, and um, be be cheerful uh, and be careful when you're driving. It's always important. Uh, I always like to say, remember, folks, when you're out and about, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.